You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. But if you'll turn your Bibles to Matthew 7, enough about me for now. Matthew 7, 24, if you have your Bibles or iPhones, if not, it'll be on the screen shortly. Uh, we're going to continue this series, Who is Jesus? And this weekend, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the rock. That's what we're going to see in Matthew 7. Um, but also, I'm going, to get some, I'm going to get vulnerable with you guys, and I'm going to share a little bit about me and my wife's story as of recently, a testimony uh, of, some of some of the hard stuff we've been through, but some of the goodness of God in the middle of that. So I've entitled this message, It's Time to Build. We all say, it's time to build. You're doing great. You're doing great. I want to show you a picture of my wife, Bethany. She's on the front row, but there you can see. This is my family. That is my beautiful wife, Bethany. This summer, we'll be married for six years, and I like to tell people she's my best friend, uh, the better half by far. I'll have older, like 67-year-old gentlemen walk up to, the, walk to me in church in Conway, and they're like, you married up, and they think they're giving me a hard time, and I'm like, amen. Yes, I did. <laughs> Joke's on you, sucker. So uh, I love Beth a lot. She's the best, and if, you're, if you know her, everyone says that. And then that little, that little boy is Dax Ray. He's a little life right now. That's our son. He'll be three this summer. He is a pure joy, sweet as can be. He's just like his mom. And then he got his tan skin for me. And I'm really proud of that. Okay. And so that's how I contributed. We went to the beach a couple weeks ago and he got darker than me. And I'm a full-blooded Persian. He's half. He got darker than me. I don't know how he got darker than me. He got darker his legs. I was kind of offended. I was like, why are you getting so dark? Uh, but he is the best, and we are so thankful for him and the little man he is turning into. But if you'll notice in that photo, my wife Bethany was pregnant. This was taken in November. And our son, who she was pregnant named, is Kyler Brave, Rostan Poor. And I want to share a little bit about his story. Some of y'all know this. Uh, because I feel like the Lord wanted me to share it with y'all, and then it will go right into what we've experienced, the promise of God I think we see in Matthew 7. So we, got, we found out we are pregnant last June, uh, and we went to our doctor, really excited, as our second kid, and our doctor in our first ultrasound, 12 weeks I think, noticed some potential abnormalities in the ultrasound. So he referred us to a high-risk doctor at UAMS in Little Rock. A couple weeks later, we went to Little Rock, and our doctor came in and uh, gave us the hard news that he, had, he believed our son has this uh, rare chromosomal abnormality called triploidy. And with the blood test, they confirmed that. And what triploidy simply means, a lot of fancy stuff going there. Our son um, had an extra set of chromosomes. So we have two pairs, 46 chromosomes. He had 69. And what the doctor said is, hey, because of this, your son's going to develop abnormally. Some ways we know, some ways we do not know. We were like, okay. And then he said the hardest news we've ever gotten in our life. He said, but every baby that's ever had triploidy either passes away in the womb or shortly after. And I remember that moment, the look on Beth's face. I'll never forget it. And I don't know why we were, we were such in shock. All I could think to do was pull out my phone and uh, start writing an iPhone note because he started to say some terminology. And because of the triploidy, he started telling us things they already, that was already abnormal with our son at, at 14, 15 weeks and um, it was wild. And we chose to carry Kyler despite the diagnosis. And Beth carried him for 30 weeks. And we were actually went to uh, Boonville's, where Beth's family are actually here today. Is we went to their, this side of the family for Christmas. And the day after we got back, that Monday morning, Beth woke up not feeling well, which our doctor told us, hey, this will be a sign. We have to induce labor. And the next day, uh, Kyler came, but Kyler had passed away. We found out earlier that morning, and when, when Beth delivered him, he was not alive. Um, 
So it was hard. It was a hard moment. But we believe with all of our heart he's in heaven now with Jesus. And we're thankful for that. Um, but I have to say, God has been really faithful to our family despite all this. Um, he's blessed us with our family, our biological family, and our friends and our church family. But man, God's been with us, and, and it's the hardest thing we've ever been through in our life. But we could tell you stories of how God was with us while we carried him, and even now. And I know uh, this is maybe a different way to start a sermon. Uh, and I'm sorry, I brought the mood down real low. Uh, but I, uh, we're learning how to talk about him. Uh, but I also believe that the Lord wanted me to share some of his story with you and what we're going to see in Scripture. Because Scripture says in Revelation that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus, and the word of our testimony. And yes, this is a little part of our testimony, but I, wanted, I felt led to remind many of you today, if you are a follower of Christ in this room, at the sound of my voice, you have a testimony. And at one time, all of us were, all of us are equal at the foot of the cross. We were sinners who need saving. We were spiritually dead, and Jesus made us come to life. And we have a, a Christ who laid his life down for us so we could live and our sins could be forgiven. So you have a testimony of that, and it's powerful. And I want you to remind, remind you, we got to stop as Christians comparing our story with other people because I didn't go through this or that. No, we all need a Jesus, and there's still people out there that need Jesus. Amen? So I just want to remind you, hey, be passionate about your story. And uh, be unashamed about what God has done in your life and is continuing to. So with that being said, I want to go to Matthew 7. I want to give you some context. Jesus is teaching what the Bible says is the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus was always teaching, but this was like a sermon. Like he's in a public place teaching many things for many chapters. Um, he's teaching about the kingdom of God. He had already been saying the kingdom of God is near. I need you to prepare for it. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about a lot of things. Forgiveness, prayer, Fasting, how we treat other people, how we love people, and all these things that we would need to know as followers of him. What's interesting is right before verse 24 we're about to read, Jesus like gives us a reminder, and, and Matthew 7 is the end of the Sermon on the Mount at the end. He gives us a reminder. He says, hey, make sure you're in relationship with me. Make sure you truly know me. And the people respond. They say something like, well, Lord, Lord, we've done all these things in your name. What do you mean? And he said, but there'll be a time that some of you will get to that and I'll say, depart from me. You didn't really know me. That's a spicy challenge before we get into what we're going to read now. So, because he says, therefore, and when the Bible says, therefore, our pastor always teaches, you got to know what it's there for. Amen. A little grammar for you today. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 24. Scripture says this. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on rock. Maybe you've heard this scripture before. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? because it had its foundation on the rock, and he's talking about himself. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rains came down, same storm. The streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, so this is all the Sermon on the Mount, not just those lines. When he had been done preaching, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of their law, which the Bible gives a little jab to those teachers right there that Jesus was different. Well, we know he's the son of God, and he teaches a little different than those people teach. So Jesus is teaching this illustration about a house and two people building a house. And he said, those who hear those words of mine 
and put them in the practice. It's like a wise man who builds on the rock. And when these storms come, their house is going to stand firm despite that. But he contrasts it with a foolish man who hears the same word but does not apply them. It's like that man is building on sand. And when the same storms came, there was a great crash. Both people hear the word of God. Both people go through a storm. Externally, their house might look the same, but we know they both had a different result. So kind of a main idea for our sermon today is this. When we build our lives on Jesus, he will sustain us through the storms we face. When we build our lives on Jesus, he'll sustain us through the storms we face. Why? He's the rock on which we stand. And what me and Beth have seen in our life, why I shared a little bit about Kyler's story in the beginning, this scripture I read in January and I felt like the Lord was like, hey, this scripture has came to life. Because, hey, I'm from Oklahoma and you guys are in the River Valley. I'm not minimizing storms. Storms do damage. Storms are real. Storms are challenging. Storms have a cost to them. But what Jesus is saying, hey, if you build your life on me, no matter the storm, you're going to stand firm. That's the promise of God. And that's what I want as a pastor for you in your life. I'm not wishing storms on you, but when and if they come, I want you to stand firm because you built your life on Jesus. Amen? So it's time to build. This quick story, I was watching the ARC conference. What the ARC is, is, is a church planning organization that we're a part of. Uh, pastor Rick's the founding member, our founding pastor's a founding member. So they do a conference every year. You can watch online for free. It's just a lot of teachers and encouragement. Well, John Maxa was speaking, the leadership expert, man of God, and it was awesome. So I was watching at our house, and John Maxwell was talking about persevering. You know, he's encouraging this group of pastors and leaders with everything that's gone on in the last two years. He's talking about perseverance and different stuff. And John Maxwell's amazing, right? And he says something like this. He said, hey, y'all remember in, in children's church the song, The Wise Man Who Builds His House Upon the Rock? And he's like, how many of y'all remember that? And people raised their hand. And he said, well, I think we should sing it. And John Maxwell, 74 years old, full suit, gets up off of his chair, and he starts singing and dancing to the song. And I'm, I'm 34. I've never heard the song in my life because I didn't grow up in church. So I'm like, what is this song? You know, and it's catchy, right? Uh, how many of y'all know what song I'm talking about? The Wise Man Builds His House Upon the Rock, Okay. Well, I thought that scripture is about Matthew 7. It's about this passage we just read. I thought in honor of that and what I watched, we're going to sing that song today together in church. And if you're like, well, Amir, I've never heard the song. Well, production's going to put the words on the screen, so you can't not sing with me, okay? And don't let me sing alone. I'm not going to sing, sing, but we're going to sing. Some of y'all know some hand signals, like kids bop kind of stuff. It's not kids bop, but you know what I mean. So we're going to sing together. Ready? One, two, three. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Come on, everyone. The wise man built his house upon the rock. I think these, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain came fumbling down. Yep, you're doing good. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, but the house on the rock stood firm. We're going to keep going. The foolish man <laughs> built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain came tumbling down. Let's finish strong. Come on. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, but the house on the sand went splat. Give God some praise. Come on, you did so good. 
Some of y'all just had a blast from the past. You're like, wow, I haven't sang that song in years. Why? I never heard the song. You know, it's a children's song, too, because you would never walk up to someone and say, man, you're going through it. It's like your house went splat. You know, like, I don't, I don't think you would ever start a combo. But, you know, it's children's church. There's no rules. Oh, I'm just kidding. There are some rules. Okay. Well, I had never heard that song in my life. I was encouraged. I was like, this is awesome. John Maxwell just dancing to it, full suit. Well, coincidentally, about four weeks later, me and Beth had a 20-week appointment at UAMS. They call this an anatomy scan, which is, for a regular pregnancy, it's pretty normal. So they're doing a thorough ultrasound. Well, because our son was abnormal, guys, no exaggeration, this ultrasound was like 55 minutes to an hour. And for me, ultrasounds were kind of painful because I, you know, their equipment is so nice, so advanced, so you can see everything. I can see that my son's brain's small and there's too much fluid on his brain. I can see the woman's having a hard time finding parts of his body. So like 30 minutes in, I just pull out my phone I just couldn't look at the screen anymore. And I'm just praying that Beth doesn't think I'm just checking out, like, just because I, I just couldn't anymore. Well, the doctor comes in, and our doctor, coincidentally, was out of town. So it was the doctor on call. It was this older woman, so smart, so brilliant. Well, she's just doing her job. So she proceeds to tell us everything she sees wrong with Kyler in the ultrasound. A lot of it we already knew, but that's her job. She has to tell us what the abnormalities are. And it was terrible. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I wanted to, like, leave the room uh, but I wanted to be strong for Beth. And I remember the, the doctor left the room, and me and Beth were still in there. I don't remember why. I don't know if they, when they came back. And I remember staring at the ground, and I just felt discouraged. And I remember staring at the ground. I wasn't really thinking about anything, and I can't make this up. Out of nowhere, I felt like I heard a song in my mind and my heart, and I started to hear, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds... And the house on the rock stood firm. And I was like, <laughs> I started like singing that song in, in my mind. I told Beth in the car. And it was like I could sense the peace of God. I didn't hear God. I had never heard that song in my life. And up to that point, probably one of the hardest moments within Kyler's story, I felt like the Lord brought it to my mind. And it was like God was saying, hey, I know you're going through a storm, but your life is built on me, and you're going to stand firm, son. You're going to stand firm. And the reality is, uh, when storms come, it, we find out what our life is built on. You know, when life is chill and things are going well, the foundation of our life doesn't really matter. But when a storm comes, you better believe it's important. And just to be real with you, hey, being a Christian doesn't mean the absence of storms. I wish I could tell you that. No, Jesus said, in this world you'll face trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. He just promised he'd be with us in the storms. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and we've sensed God with us. And I also have to tell you guys, when the sirens start to go off and there's a storm going off, that's not the time to start building a foundation. That's not a time to hope we had a storm cellar. No, we wanted to be building one day at a time our life so when and if a storm comes, we're going to do our best to stand in Jesus' name. Amen? So for the rest of our time, I just want to give you two points of, hey, how do we build our life on Jesus, the rock? And I believe God's going to encourage us. So number one, this is found in Matthew 7, we got to consistently hear the Word of God. We've got to consistently hear the word of God. Matthew 7, 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on rock. Jesus said everyone. He didn't say, hey, pastors, 
He didn't say, hey, people, you think have it all together? Nope. It's a promise from God. He says, if you build your life on me, you're going to stand firm. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. I want to challenge the way you think about hearing God's word. Yes, you hear God's word at church. Or if you listen to a podcast or an audio teaching, yes, that's how you hear God's word. Hey, but you hear God's word when you're one-on-one with God reading his word. And if you're like me, I read out loud to help me comprehend. You're hearing God's word every time you're hanging out with God one-on-one whenever that time is for you. Well, the beginning of the scripture, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine. And it's important because we cannot put into practice the words that we have not heard yet. So if we want to put into practice God's word, we got to be putting ourselves in a place consistently to hear God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's a direct correlation with our faith, us growing in Christ, the more we hear God's word. Uh, last month, if you're a basketball fan, the Arkansas Razorbacks hosted the number one team then in the, in the country. They're still good, the Auburn Tigers. I don't know if any of y'all watched that. And it was a, not only a sold-out crowd, it was a record-breaking crowd at, at Bud Walton Arena. And the Razorbacks won. They upset them at the time. And my friend told me about a report from one of the Auburn players, and he said in the last few minutes of the game, the gym was so loud that he couldn't hear his coach giving instruction during the game, not a timeout. Like during the game, he couldn't articulate what he was saying. He's calling plays, he can't hear him <laughs> because it was so loud, which is kind of epic, right? And uh, he couldn't do what the coach wanted him to do because he couldn't hear. I find that so interesting. And I think sometimes we can be like that basketball player. We're in a position to hear God's word, but the noise of life it's too loud. So we can't hear what he's saying, let alone to apply it. Hey, what in your life right now is too loud getting in the way of you hearing God's word? Is it your pace? We're busy. We're just going through life, going, going, going. I'm not minimizing hard work. I'm not minimizing, but you're going so fast you can't hear God's word. Is it the approval of others? Just so fixate on what do people think about me and is it your past, your past mistakes? And we want to give those to Christ. God leads us in conviction. The enemy speaks in condemnation. I want to quiet the voice of the enemy so I can hear from God. So how do we consistently hear God's word? So this is spiritual disciplines 101. Whether you're a new believer or you've been walking with the Lord for years, we look at our week, and as many times as we can, we're going to spend time with God and get in his word. Don't make it religious, and if you don't get in on Monday, you feel bad for the rest of the week, so then you don't get in God's word. That's what the enemy wants you to do. No, it's a relationship with God. So if mornings are the best for you, before you start your day, before you go to work, before you get the kids up, students, before you go to school, do morning. If morning's not your time, don't read in the morning. <laughs> it's not the right time. Don't force it. Maybe it's in the afternoon. Maybe it's at a coffee shop. And some of y'all might be night people and you like to read at night. When is the time that you want to spend time with your Lord? And then fight for it and protect it and put it in the calendar. This is holy time where you get to hang out with God's word and the God of the universe wants to speak to you. I think we're minimalizing spending time with God. And let me challenge you. What if coming to church on Sunday was more supplemental to you hearing God's voice and not the source? I know for me in my life, at times, Sunday morning can be the only time we hear God's voice, hear God's word, or the only consistent time. 
It becomes your source. And don't get me wrong. We want you here, hearing God's word, worshiping God together. But as a pastor, I don't want this to be your source. Jesus said, give me this day our daily bread. He wants you to eat the other days of the week spiritually. You know what I'm saying? What I really want for you is in your time alone with God or with your family, you're getting God's word and you're hearing God's word and you're letting it build you up and encourage you. And then you come to church and then you go to a small group and then you do those other things. And those are more supplemental, not the source. Because in order to build our life on Jesus, well, first we got to hear God's word consistently because we have to hear before we're ever able to do. Amen. So number two, our second point and last point, how do we build our life on Jesus? We intentionally apply the word of God. So we consistently hear, but now we have to intentionally apply. Verse 26 says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Remember, Jesus says everyone again. It's a conditional promise. Jesus is cautioning the people that hear God's word, but they tend to stop there. And hearing God's word alone won't build a firm foundation. The next step is doing it and applying it and receiving it. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That scripture is often described as being a doer of God's word, putting it into practice. You might say, Amir, how do I apply God's word? There's a lot of different ways. Oftentimes it's obeying God's word. We feel like we read a scripture and God wants us to do something or change something. A lot of applying God's word is receiving God's word. This book is full of promises and encouragement and wisdom. And you read something, you just receive it. Sometimes it's applying it to a circumstance you're going through. You read something, you're like, I know that's for me for what's going on in my life right now. Well, receive it. Get it in your heart. Meditate on it. Think about it. And sometimes it's the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You'll read a scripture and you just know. You're at church, you hear God's word, you just know God's talking to you. Well, is there an action step with that? Is there something to do or something he wants you to receive from him? Don't overcomplicate it. And some of y'all might be in here this weekend and you might be thinking, man, Amir, to be honest, I don't feel like I'm growing in my relationship with God right now. And one reason, there's a lot of reasons. One reason might be, hey, maybe you're doing a good job of hearing God's word but you're not intentionally applying it. And it's like putting a lid on your walk with God spiritually. No, he wants you to hear and do and hear and apply and hear and obey. Uh, we are currently potty training our son, Dax, Segway. And uh, Dax had an accent last week in the front and the back. <laughs> I'll let your mind decide what that is. Both. He did both, one and two. So we're going to the bathroom. And Beth, my wife, looks at him and says, Dax, where do we go potty? Or where do we use the bathroom? He goes on the potty. So she goes to get him clothes. And I'm sitting there. And Dax starts toggling with the flusher. I said, Dax, don't touch that. Does it again. Dax, don't touch that. Does it again. I said, son. He looks at me. I said, do you hear, are you listening to what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? He goes, yeah. <laughs> He's the sweetest. He's not like rebellious just for fun. He just does his own thing. He just zones out, little brown boy. Okay, so I'm like, do you understand what I'm saying? And he says, yes. I said, okay, listen and obey. That's what we say a lot. Listen and obey. I want you to hear, I want to do. And then he shook the flusher again. <laughs> And I don't know why I clapped trying to get his attention. And I was like, Beth, I need to tag out. I'm losing, I'm losing the parenting moment right now. So Beth tagged me in. She's way better at life. And it was great. He learned. Okay. So I know I just give an illustration about my son potty training. How did you do that? We did it. But I wonder for some of you sometimes, God's looking at you saying, hey, son, daughter, do you hear what I'm saying? Hey, I love you. Don't think of yourself that way. That's not how I see you. 
That's not what my word says about you. Hey, don't do that anymore. I need you to go this way and do this thing. Hey, I haven't given up on you. Hey, if you'll spend time with me, I'm close with you. Are you listening and obeying? Do you hear what I'm saying? I wonder if the Father is trying to speak to some of y'all. Hey, listen to me. I love you. I'm here for you. I have your back. Some application for this point. Let me, let me coach you on something. There's a lot of things I could say. I, I, I had like a practical list and my wife's like, you need to share your heart. What's your mark? Hey, sometimes or oftentimes applying God's word, obeying God's word, doing God's word is not easy. It's hard. It's frustrating. Sometimes it will cost you something. You have to make hard decisions. It's refining. It's sacrificial. But that's what happens when you're building a foundation. When they built this building, they didn't just build it on the ground. They dug down under the dirt beneath the surface and flattened it. But what they probably had to do, they had to get rid of unwanted things that couldn't be there because they would get in the way of this thing being level and strong. And sometimes obeying God, you got to get unwanted things out of your life and it's hard. But God is a good father that's like, if you'll just give me some of those things, or if you'll just walk with me on some of those things, I promise we're going to build something that's stronger, that will last, and it's on me, the rock. It takes courage. It takes faith. But let me tell you something, church. You will never regret it. You will never regret saying yes to God. You will never regret it. On your good days, but on the hardest days of your life. Saying yes to Jesus always wins. And in order to say yes to him, he wants us to hear his words. And as often as it happens, do them, apply them, obey them. And when we do that, we build our life on Jesus. I believe he will sustain us through the storms we face. I wanna share one more thing and then I'm gonna ask my wife, Bethany, to come pray over y'all because when I was preparing the message, I felt like that's what the Lord wanted us to do. I just wanna leave you with kind of a charge. Like when I was preparing for this, the only phrase I could just keep hearing in my heart is, hey, it's time to build. So whether you're a young person in this room or a middle-aged person in this room or you're older, retired, a grandparent in this room, hey, it's time to build. No more excuses, no more misplaced priorities, no more regret. Hey, it's time to build on Jesus the rock. We don't build on ourselves. We don't build on other people. We don't build on successes. Those are great things, but they're never meant to be your foundation. We don't build on addiction. We don't build on sin. We don't build on pride. A lot of times we never meant for those to be our foundation and they end up being, but they will destroy you. No, it's time to build on the rock and his name is Jesus. And some of y'all are thinking this right now. Hey, I'm not just getting fired up to tell you to build for storm insurance. So one day in your life, if a storm comes, you'll be all right. No, that's part of it because we believe Jesus will sustain you. I want you to build your foundation and then brick by brick in like a metaphor house and your family and your business and your marriages, I want you to build it brick by brick on Jesus. And then scripture also talks about Jesus is not just the rock, he's the cornerstone. He's, he holds everything together. In him are all things and through him are all things. And I want you to build your life on Jesus too. So then Jesus is the rock. And that old hymn says, oh Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other things are sinking sand.
Church, hey, it's time to build. I know the last one, two years for everyone have been weird or different. Hey, it's time to build.